Howdy, folks. Howdy doody. Howdy doody. This is two girls, one ghost. Two girls, one ghost. And we are your ghostesses. That is Corinne. Hello. And I am Sabrina. And this is an Encounters episode. And can we talk about how I almost ruined a surprise on our green room episode yesterday? Yep. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. I was... I saw you panic. I, I was like, Full panic attack. So I can say this now because by the time this episode comes out, the surprise will have already happened. But Nick and I are... And his sisters are planning this big surprise party. Oh, well, to be fair, I'm not planning it. Nick and his family are planning it. <laughs> but it Nick's, it's Nick's dad's birthday. And we're all surprising him by flying out to Minnesota and surprising him there. And on our green room episode, someone had said they were from the Midwest. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to be there this weekend. And Nick's mom and dad listen religiously to green room. And thank goodness it was actually Nick's dad's birthday on Tuesday when we did green room. So they were not active participants that night. And I, but I didn't know that until I, know, I, I saw was you looking. And you were like, wait, never mind. Oh no. And then <laughs> the other woman that was on with us was like, wait, what? And you were like, uh, a secret. And she was like, okay. And I was like, I don't know what she's talking oh about. My either. God. There's nothing that she's giving up like podcast wise. I just have no idea what's going on. Nick and he texted me. So <laughs> we both took turns like, while green room was happening going through oh my the, gosh. the people to make sure that they weren't in there. And Nick texted me in all caps being like, Sabrina, seriously? He's like, you could oh, have at no. least tried to cover it. And I was just like, I was so shocked by the fact that I let that slip. <laughs> that I, there was no like there was no covering. It was truly <laughs> You were just like, ah, ah, never mind. Secret. Don't talk to me. Talk about something else now, okay? <laughs> I mean, if if anyone wants to know how I react in like really tense situations, it is freeze panic. I'm right. not fight Forget or flight. Forget fight or flight. You just oh freeze. my gosh! <laughs> Truly, like my whole body, brain, mouth, mouth, mind, everything shut down. But I really hope I didn't ruin it. So oh, oh, I'm gosh. excited to hear how it goes next time we are recording. I'll let you know. The surprise will have happened. So hopefully it's still a surprise. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I mean, at least, you know, you didn't do it, you know, like we know they weren't there. Yeah. Unless they were there. And I said that and Wendy immediately signed off. I don't think so. I don't know. I don't think so. I think you're in the clear. (sighs) Okay. But speaking of green room, for people who don't know about green room, if you're randomly picking episodes of two girls, one ghost to listen to, There is an app called Green Room, and we go live on that app every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern, and you have to search under people. You search for the name Campfire Stories, and that's us. So we go live every week at that time, and people chat in the group chat. People come up on stage and raise their hands and share their ghost stories with us live, and it's so freaking fun. It's the best. I mean, truly, if you are one of those people like Corinne and I who just can't get enough of ghost stories and love hearing people tell their own ghost stories. It's the best Tuesday evening activity. I truly wish we could do it 
every night or maybe like a 24 seven marathon of it because oh, wouldn't it be great? Well, so I'm in Florida right now and my parents were below mm-hmm. listening, my grandparents and my parents, so and freaking my brother. Cute. And after it was done, they all rushed up here or my parents <laughs> and my brother did. I mean, my brother's staying in the same place, but my parents rushed in and like knocked on the door and were like, can we come in? And I opened the door and they were like, Oh, and they just wanted to talk about the stories. They were like, They're let's so decompress. Good. Like, let's chat about everything. So people just shared. They were oh, so into it. I love it. I love it. I just love ghost stories. Oh, speaking of... It was much of, past my grandpa's bedtime oh. when we were doing that. And my mom said that he fell asleep in the chair smiling, listening to us. That is so cute. <laughs> Stop. Oh, I love your family. Oh, my gosh. Speaking of ghost stories, I just read a really good book called Home Before Dark. Oh. It's a really good paranormal-esque book. I highly recommend it. I'm also trying to read 60 books this year. Whoa. Okay. Oh, it's the same author. Riley Sager, who has a ton of really good books. I'm reading another one right now called The Last Time I Lied. Highly recommend that one too. But anyway, yes, I'm trying to read 60 books this year. So if anyone has recommendations, please send them my way because I can't get enough. Yeah. You should start doing on our TikTok some paranormal or spooky ghost book reviews. Oh, that's a good idea. Or people can just join the Two Girls, One Ghost book club, which is not run by us, but is run by fellow phantoms. They always have great book picks. Yeah. 60 books. Good for you. I'm at like 10. So I'm kind of already crushing it. Wait, (laughs) you really are. Yeah. I think you're going to get over that. Which would be great. You're going to do more than 60. Yeah. But I also figure because there's so much travel and a lot of weddings and stuff this year, I'm Mm. predicting there will be weeks where I don't read. You have 13 weddings? Oh my gosh, yeah. Oh my God. 11 left, but we're probably only going to go to, I don't know, nine of them, nine of those 11. Okay. I, I thought I had a lot with seven. And then you're like, <laughs> yeah, I have 13. I was, oh. It's madness. Brutal. I mean, but, but fun. fun. But so fun. So fun. <laughs> Brutal. <laughs> it is, so no, fun. it is. It will be very fun. It is just a lot of travel. A lot of travel. But maybe we'll get some good ghost stories out of it, which is why we're here. Which is exactly why we're here. Hear everybody else's ghost stories. So we have some emails mm-hmm. in our inbox that we would like to read you. Would you like to start? I will. Okay. Okay. This is called Dimension Hopping, Lost Time. Where the hell am I? Oh. All righty, ghost sissies. My name's oh. Mads. Use it. Abuse it. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> <laughs> this is such a strong start. I love it. <laughs> And my wife, Sydney's the one that put me onto y'all's podcast, and I've legit been binging it. She's always been a fan of your podcast, but for the past year or so, she's really been leaning into her spiritual side. We follow Dionysus, our drunken patron, and are of the pagan variety. As we've been figuring ourselves out, we've come to the realization that I'm more open spiritually. I accidentally invited a spirit into our new apartment because I was reaching out while she was sleeping. <laughs> <laughs> Which honestly makes so much sense. But (laughs) just this is making me laugh so much. But this shit is going to get hella confusing and makes me have an existential crisis sometimes. To start off, I've got to give you a big old backstory. I grew up in a rural town in Texas called Paradise. It used to be named El Dorado, so you can see where they got the name Paradise from. The amount of times I've heard the song Paradise City by Guns N' Roses is absolutely astronomical. (laughs) Always the first warm-up song played before a home football game. I lived on 350 acres with cows and horses, which was really fun growing up. Yeah, that sounds amazing. (laughs) 
I think it sounds kind of scary too. <laughs> That's a lot of space. Yeah, but cows and horses and that just I don't know. Yeah. Can you ride cows? I would want to frolic with cows. I don't I don't think so. Probably not. I don't know. Maybe not unless you're like 50 pounds and eight years old. The amount of things I could tell you about this land is huge. The one spot on the edge of the woods that makes your skin crawl. The fact that our house had a lot of land and is built on a native burial ground. Not to mention the hidden stack of gold buried somewhere on the property <gasps> stolen from a bank by Machine Gun Kelly. Oh my God. Let's go find that gold. Yes. And then found and then hidden by my great grandfather. What? what? That's so cool. I want to live there even so more confused. now. Mads. We're moving okay. in. Alrighty, let me finally get into this. I really tend to ramble. So I lived 25 minutes away from the nearest town, Decanter. So going to the store was honestly so inconvenient. The closest thing that we had to a store is a Shamrock convenience store that we call the Cottondale store. Cottondale used to be a proper town, but due to a lack of a post office, it isn't considered to be one anymore. It takes five minutes to drive from my house to the Cottondale store. And this is important. On November 18th of 2018, a Sunday for those who are curious, my friend Gabrielle and I decided to go to the Cottondale Cemetery to stop in and then say hi to a girl who sadly had taken her life the year before. We haven't been back to visit since, and I don't think that you'd want to after the day that we had. After we stopped by the cemetery, we decided to go to the Cottondale store and get some Dublin lemonades. The time that we pulled out was 1.10. We go on our merry way, turning onto Highway 2123 to Decanter, Texas. Along 2123, there is an overpass that you might go under to get to Highway 114, which leads straight to Decanter. So right before this overpass, you must go down a hill on a twisty road. So we're driving, reminding our own business. We're listening to Fallout Boy or something. <laughs> and it was a really nice day. And the only other car around was this blue sedan about four seconds in front of us. As we're making our way down this twisty road, we're coming up on the overpass. And the car in front of us goes under the overpass. And did you see that? Yeah. The car was gone, just blipped out of existence. What? We thought, well, maybe they just took a turn really quickly and are already on 114. We'll get onto 114. But the closest car to us was at least two or three miles away, and it didn't look like the car from before. So confused and a little worried, we turned the music up and continued on our way to Gabrielle's house. When we arrive, the car clock says 120. We drove the speed limit the whole way there. It should have taken us 20 minutes to get from Cottondale to her house in Decanter. But it took us under 10. Thoroughly freaked out. We run inside and we try to think of how this was possible. The car disappearing. Getting to her house 10 minutes early. Did we lose or gain time? Did we just dimension hop? Thinking about it now and after consulting a few spiritual friends, it sounds a bit like both. Once that car disappeared, we first thought that we might have traveled back in time and gained time. But after three years, I think we hopped dimensions. Everything was a bit different after that day. People I never really knew would come up to me and talk to me like they knew me. My parents paid more attention to me. And my brother, who was doing amazing in college, suddenly dropped and failed out. It's not the only thing that happened that day. Obviously, it's a bit worrying and confusing. But the truly horrible part was when we drove over a possible skinwalker and it might have followed us home. But that's a story for another time. No, no, Thanks no. Thanks for reading. <laughs> that sounds like a story for today. What the heck, Mads? Let's call Mads up. Get Mads on the phone because I can't go on without knowing the rest of the story. That is not fair. Mads, you tease. 
okay, well, here's my call to action. I'm not even going to speak to Mads because she left us hanging. <laughs> Sydney, her wife, Sydney, you listened. You got Mads to listen. So now you need to follow up oh. and let us know what the Skinwalker situation is. What the heck? <sighs> I'm so... Okay, this is... It's both like terrifying, but also so fascinating because this is a concept that I feel like I believe in wholeheartedly because there's so many times that I have where people like don't see me and nearly hit my car or like do things. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. I really just think in the timeline that I was just in, I was hit. And then I jumped into a different timeline. And I truly believe that people like jump around and move around. And there are little things that are different and little things that happen. But it is interesting because I feel like in my understanding of it, that you wouldn't really notice a difference. Like things continue. But the fact that Mads noticed small shifts and changes that didn't really make sense. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, because it's more than just the the time travel of being confused with the the car. It's truly a shift in everybody around her. Like I think yeah. I think the most confusing part of everything would be other people that you weren't really close to coming up and suddenly having these relationships yeah. with you. And, and you're like, wait, what did I miss? Like, what's going on? Like, here? who are you? How do we know each other? Yeah. What are the details of the story that I, that you think I know that I don't anymore? I wonder if Gabrielle has any other, like what, what changed in Gabrielle's life as well? Mm-hmm. And what if they redo, like if they go through the emotions again, that they did that day, same timing and everything. And can they jump back or can they jump to a different timeline? Right. Are we in both timelines? Mads, can you jump just to let us know? Yeah. Well, I'm so confused. I have so many thoughts going through my head right now because I'm also thinking like what when we think of traveling souls too, people mm-hmm. souls that travel together. Let's pretend that Mads and that Gabrielle are traveling souls together okay. and that they, or no, sorry, that's a bad example. Let's pretend <laughs> that Sydney and Mads are traveling souls together. Okay. And so Mads had a time shift, like she jumped into another dimension. Right. But does that, I'm almost like wondering, like, does your relationship, does, does other people jumping affect you? I guess I'm, I'm very confused because it's basically saying like we have multiple consciousnesses <laughs> all at one time. Right. Multiple experiences. But it's like, it, it, I don't know. Who necessarily- am I to the, the other version of me in another dimension? But I don't know that those consciousnesses are tied together. You know, like it almost feels like multiples of you exist and they each have their own consciousness. But if that's the case, what happens to traveling souls if one person jumps to a different timeline and then that that traveling soul is like left behind? Are people Ugh. are people's different versions of consciousness tied together and tethered? So if Mads jumps, Sydney has to jump or are they just cut and, and now there's a new version and they're no longer traveling souls? And also do all of ourselves in different dimensions have the same soul, but they're just in like, does our soul split, but our consciousnesses are different in all of them. This right. is scary. And then when you jump, what happens to the version of you that was there? Where is that displaced? Well, I'll just tell you, I have no freaking idea. I feel like I'm having an existential crisis, which is exactly what what Mads was saying in the beginning yes. of this. Like. The thinking about this is just hella confusing. It makes it really, it makes everything very confusing. Fascinating, but confounding and confusing and strange. 
Yeah. Whoa. I don't know. I don't have an answer, but, <laughs> but well, neither do I. I don't know. Does anyone? <laughs> and also like, like, what is the meaning of life? You know? And also how, like, how can you be certain that you're actually jumping dimensions? Because like Mad said, yes, there were things that are different, but they're so slight it's not like a drastic difference, you know, it's not like, oh, you live in a different house and you don't have a brother anymore. You have a sister instead. It's, it's your family dynamics seem the same, but there's just like slight things that are often different. So there's no way to like definitively say or prove, yes, I jumped a different dimension. And yeah. So if you, if you are still in the same dimension, was this possible wrinkle of time, like maybe just this time travel in the current dimension, was it enough to offset the projections and relationships of other people in your life <laughs> to the point where now there's these subtle changes that only you recognize? I feel like my brain is in knots. Like we just braided time my brain. Is so confusing. If you actually, if you don't think about it as this linear thing, it is freaking difficult to understand and this is very scary this is why people don't spend their days talking about this i mean maybe there's like some scientists that do but should we move on before we spiral (laughs) before we (laughs) before we lose our minds and lose our entire audience because this is the most confusing conversation i've ever had in my life okay what do you have sabrina okay it is called the ouija board killed three of my aunt's friends what yeah oh boy okay of course you picked this of course i did hi girls if it's okay i'd like to remain anonymous for this story because if my aunt ever found out i told this story to someone let alone the many people who listen to this podcast i'd be on the other side faster than ever lol i've been listening to the podcast on my 50 minute commute to and from class nothing works to wake me up from my 9 a.m like spooky stories I just started listening to your podcast, but it is so addictive and I'm catching up slowly. This might be basic of me, but I love the Dominus episode. That is far (laughs) from basic because I think that's many people's favorite. My entire life, I've been sensitive to the supernatural. When I was little, I was much more sensitive than I am now. When I was around four, my parents said I used to play with the butterfly man until one day they were watching a movie in their room and heard me give out a blood curdling scream. They ran to my room across the hall and asked me what was wrong. I told them I didn't want to play with the butterfly man anymore and wanted him to leave. I don't remember this happening or ever playing with this thing, whatever it was. One of my theories is that it could have been my uncle who let's call W. He was in training to be a firefighter when he died during a training exercise. We were as thick as thieves when he was alive. So maybe he was visiting me as an angel, hence the wings that I saw. Anyway, back to my aunt. My family is originally from Mexico. This story takes place in the 1960s when my aunt was 18 years old, and I'm not exactly sure of the year. It was summer, so many families went from the city to their beach houses in the beach town about 45 minutes to an hour away. My family was one of the handful that lived in this beach town year-round. It was exciting for her and her friends for all the city boys to be in town. (laughs) It was towards the end of the summer when someone said they should play with a Ouija board. My aunt had always been sort of sensitive to the supernatural, which I think I inherited from her. And she was a little apprehensive about it, but not wanting to be the party pooper, she went along with it. They went around the room only having one person put their hands on the planchette at a time while the others would ask the board questions. Nothing exciting was happening until it was my aunt's turn. 
When it was her turn, she put her hands on the planchette and immediately felt her entire body turn cold. Mind you, this was August in Mexico, so it was nearly 100 degrees and there was no AC, so there was no reason for her to be cold. They asked stupid questions at first, and my aunt nor any spirits moved the planchette. Until one of her friends thought it would be funny to ask which one of them would be the first to die. She said it felt like something cold had wrapped around her wrists and forced her to move the planchette, spelling out three of her friends' names. Oh, Let's call them Sarah, Ryan, and Harry. Sarah and Ryan were dating. This is important for later. Immediately, those three went white-faced. My aunt had never seen her friends so scared. Someone else asked when... And the board answered three months. Ryan got upset and demanded that they stopped playing with the board. The problem? They never said goodbye. The board and planchette were ripped out of my aunt's hands. By who? She can't remember. And they threw it in a nearby dumpster. She went home shortly after and a feeling of dread crawled up her spine. She slept while clutching her rosary beads that night, and when she woke up in the morning, she felt fine. As time went on, she forgot about that night. Ryan had gone to Mexico City for college, but before he left, he had proposed to Sarah. It was September, and he had come home for Mexican independence and had a party to celebrate their engagement. It would be the first time their families united as a soon-to-be one family. Sarah picked up Ryan from the airport. His flight had been delayed, so instead of getting there at 5 p.m., he got there at 11 p.m. Sarah was driving back to their house when they were stopped at a light. It turned green and she paused for a moment, letting the light sit at green for a moment when she accelerated. When she did, a bus came out of nowhere and T-boned the car on Ryan's side. Oh my God. They spun out of control and hit a lamppost. Sarah's neck slammed into the steering wheel so forceful that it decapitated her. (gasps) And Ryan was left to watch his decapitated fiance for a few minutes before he died of blood loss. Oh At the funeral, my aunt noticed that Harry looked downright terrified. All of their friends tried to comfort him, telling him it was a coincidence and he would be fine, but he was not convinced. A few weeks went by, and just as Harry was starting to relax, tragedy struck. He was driving home when he lost control of his car, crashed, and was ejected from the car, only to land on an iron rot fence. By the time the police got there, he was dead. My aunt met her future husband a few months later and put the deaths of her three friends to the back of her mind. Until this summer. I had a bit of a mental dive last semester and went to go relax with her at the beach for the summer. I mentioned that one of my cousins wanted to use a Ouija board, but I was reluctant and needed her to lay down the law and tell me I couldn't go so I didn't look like a scaredy cat. Instead, she sat me down and told me this story. She has never told anyone this, not her parents, not her kids, not her husband, so she swore me to secrecy, but also made me promise her that I would never use a Ouija board. I promise, and needless to say, I definitely will not ever be using one. I can go on with stories of my semi-haunted house, where shadows opening and closing cabinets and drawers, door slamming, shut, all of that happens, but I'll end this here. I love this podcast and keep up with the spooky stories. Stay spooky. I mean, this is heavy. Yes. Horrifying. Should we just call anonymous? Well, let's call them A. Yeah. For the sake of speaking yes. about this. But I mean, Horrifying. I feel like we have to start at the at the end and work our way yeah. back up to the butterfly man because I this is truly, this is final destination, but real yes. life. 
and people are dying and your friends are dying and it's in the most horrific, horrific, horrible way. Like what's the movie? The, the one where the girl gets decapitated. It's the awful, scary oh, one. Why am I blank? Hereditary. Hereditary. Yeah. This is what this reminds me of. It's just these gory deaths and other people are forced to watch it happen to Ugh. their loved ones. It's so awful. And it's just like waiting for it to, was it Harry? The one that was, that was left the third one that was at mm-hmm. the funeral, just yeah, like to, waiting for it to reach him. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's so awful. I mean, not only is playing with a Ouija board so scary and inviting negativity. I mean, you can play with it. I guess you shouldn't say play with it, but you can use a Ouija board properly, but it does. This story is just more reason for me to never want to do it because even if I am going to die and, and these are terrible, tragic, horrible deaths and it breaks my heart. But even if I'm going to die that way, I don't want to know. I don't want to know a timeline. I don't want to just be waiting for however, no, whoever knows how long for something horrible to happen. And it's awful. It's awful, awful, awful. It's too much hanging over your head to, to know that and feel that. And I can only imagine how aid's aunt feels, you know, like knowing what came from the Ouija board experience and then seeing it actually happen. It's interesting too, that all three of her friends passed from car accidents. Car accidents, I know. Which this reminds me, we read a story, oh my gosh, probably early on in the podcast when we started doing encounters, but it was very similar where a, a listener's parent had played growing up and Mm-hmm. It predicted the death of their friend and it happened. Oh. And it's just, it makes me think like, don't one, if you are going to use a Ouija board, which we don't recommend, maybe there are questions to avoid asking. Right. I don't, I don't, it just breaks my heart. This is so tragic. And, and I'm not blaming the Ouija board in any way because maybe this was going to happen already, but. Yeah. Regardless of closing it. Yeah. Or not. But yeah, it does sound yeah. like something, something that you don't want to know that you don't want to know what's happening. But also it's a weird, it's weird that for those out of the group, it's not like it was one car accident with the three of them in there and A's aunt wasn't present. It was, it was two separate events. Yeah. Really close together. It's not like, and then a year later, it's just a couple weeks later. Ah, horrible. And then also, horrible. okay, to change gears a little bit. Mm-hmm. A story about the butterfly man. I it's interesting that A believes it might have been her uncle, but I don't like the fact that A had let out a blood curdling scream and their I parents know. had to come running and A was like I never want to play with butterfly man again. That does not make me think uncle coming to visit. That makes me think horrifying scary thing who wanted to hurt you. Although I guess it depends on I mean, A said it was when they were around four. Yeah. And I have distinct memories from when I was living in the house in Littleton, New Hampshire, that was haunted. And I was four. I, we moved when I was five. So the time that I would live there was from three to five. And so I have all of these memories of seeing people and seeing things. And I was horrified the entire time. So it very well, you know, it could have been, I don't think it was, but like, you know, it could have been a grandfather or a great aunt or something coming to visit me. Right, and my true. memory still is like, that was freaking horrifying because I, I was grounded in reality. Like I knew 
that those people weren't let into the house. I knew that that was an intruder or that that was a spirit and it doesn't matter who it was or how beautiful they were. It scared the shit out of me. So, yeah. The only thing that makes me think otherwise is because a said that they had seen butterfly man a bunch and like a's parents were aware of butterfly man mm. and it was a's, you know, imaginary friend in quotations. Cause it's clearly not imaginary, but, and then this moment something happened to cause a to scream. Right. And we need know. to know what the wings look like too, you know, Ooh. like butterfly man. It's like, okay, that makes sense because they're, they're wings, but the way that the wings are can or be very different. A fallen angel, not necessarily right. good. Yeah. Or like, I'm almost picturing like these like skinny, crooked kind of like holes and slits in them. Just almost like a evil grasshopper. <laughs> this is what I'm trying to describe. Which is way scarier than just like, oh, yeah. look at these angel wings. Honestly, I'd rather look at an evil grasshopper than <laughs> what I'm picturing. Because what I'm picturing is like the insidious demon with like creepy, like dilapidated wings. I guess I'm picturing if you've seen what's the show? Oh, Midnight Mass, the creature from that, which is horrifying. Uh, you know. I think both of our images are scary in their own way. <laughs> Mine's the Bugs Life version and yours is is uh, yeah. more rated R. <laughs> yeah, as often my brain is. <laughs> oh, gosh. Well, okay. This is called Haunted Movie TV and Ghosts. Scary shit. <laughs> <laughs> These ones are cracking me up today. Oh, well, my gosh. They're also horrifying me. Yeah. This is from LK. Hello, wonderful and spooky ghostesses. As always, I'm enjoying your amazing podcast and I hope you both are well. Some of my friends were asking that I share this story with them. And so I'm going to share it with you too. The night that was conjured. Oh, my dear friends, I have some interesting memories from our haunted rental house that my family and I resided in for five long years. And I have been requested to share this with you. I wonder if she like email blasted this out to some of her friends. Yeah, maybe. This is what it feels like. Yeah. I like that we're now on the, on the list. Yeah. I attest here and now that I am of sound mind and body. And these tales <laughs> that I shall leave for you are not merely stories, but the God's honest truth oh. to the best of my knowledge and recollection. Oh my recollection. gosh. This sounds like the beginning of a book. <laughs> I know. This is so funny. This, this is reminding me of a series of unfortunate events. Yeah. Like it, it feels like the voiceover in the beginning. Oh my gosh. I'm so in. Before we dive in too deeply, I feel that I should explain that when I first moved into the house in April of 2014, it was just me and the children of the corn. My husband, Jeremy, was still in Florida and had not even proposed to me or moved back to Georgia yet. <laughs> Our house was ranch-style single-family dwelling that was built in 1953. The house was mostly brick and symmetrical when viewed from the front, and when you walked into the front door, you were met with a foyer and a wide doorway on the left that expanded into an open living room and transitioned through another wide doorway into a small dining room. There was a doorway from the right side of the dining room that led into the kitchen, and there was a laundry room towards the back and the back door that exited out to the screen porch. From the tail end of the kitchen, you could make a right into the cozy den with a stunning two-sided brick fireplace and two-sided wooded mantle as well. We would find out later that this was the most haunted room in our house. Oh, no. 
The opposite side of the den, diagonally across, had a door that ran back into the foyer. Essentially, this area was a loop on the left side of our house. A long, dark hallway extended from one side of the foyer, with doors to a guest room and a master bedroom on your left. The right side of the hallway had two doors to the kids' bedrooms. There was also a creepy attic door in the ceiling that had been screwed shut. Nope. I still have no idea why it was screwed shut, nor what was up there. The first time the kids left was for a few weeks during summer vacation with their dad, and they left me and our two doglets, Cricket and Violet, alone in the house. It was a bit eerie. It was truly the first time I'd ever been alone for years, and I did not feel scared or weird, though. Mostly, despite missing the kids, I was excited to have some peace and quiet to myself. In the mornings before work, I would walk through the back den and take the doglets outside. <laughs> it's doglets. <laughs> the doglets outside for their morning pee and walk. We had an old TV in the den back then that was for my son's video games, and we had an equally old TV in the front living room connected to our DVD player for watching movies. On one particular morning when the kids were gone, I went through the back den area, got the leashes for the doglets, and I ran them outside. When I came back in, the television in the den was on, shining a bright blue screen through the darkness, and it freaked me out a bit. I turned it off, and I tried not to think about it. However, it happened again and again. Always when I was taking the doglets out for their morning walk. I finally contacted our landlord and requested that they run an electrical check on the house. The electrician swapped out some materials in the outlets in that room, as well as in some other rooms in our house. Apparently, some of the old plugs had wiring with aluminum, and that would shrink over time and needed to be replaced. I described the trippy television activity to the guy, but he could not provide me with a good explanation. I felt relieved after the electrician visited us, but nevertheless, the damn television would still light up on occasion, just not as frequently as before. Jeremy moved in with us in July of 2014. We were married in January on the following year. And once he moved in, it seemed like the paranormal activity in the house amped up even more. There are tons of stories about people moving, renovating, adding on, and activity increasing, and what we were experiencing seemed typical for a haunted house. One night, I was washing my face, and Jeremy was on the bed reading. Our son, Aiden, was asleep in his bedroom. Our daughter, Thalia, was out in the dining room where we had our computer area set up, finishing some homework, and she was listening to an online lesson with her headphones on. Thus, when the first set of four evenly spaced loud knocks hammered on a door in our hallway, we were confused. Jeremy got up and went to the door as I peeked my head out from the bathroom, but there was no one there. What the hell? He said. We checked on Aiden, who was out cold. We checked on Thalia, and she had not heard a thing and was still working blissfully unaware. We all resumed what we were doing previously when suddenly there came another round of four evenly spaced loud knocks on our bedroom door. Jeremy (laughs) tore across the room to the door, and I flew out from the bathroom hot on his heels. He flung the door open seconds after the knocking, and there was no one there. Then Thalia yelled from the dining room, I heard it that time, Mom! Aiden was still sound asleep, and Jeremy was certain that there was someone messing with us, attempting to play some sort of prank. To be on the safe side, Jeremy got out his gun and he checked over the house very carefully. He even went outside, doing the rounds with his weapon in hand. But there was nothing, no one, and we were all a little shaken up. We still have no idea or explanation for what happened, but all I can say is that I'm 100% positive that both sets of knocks came from inside of our house and that the second set was definitely on our bedroom door. Both sets of knocks were rhythmic and perfectly spaced. Remembering and typing about this moment is literally giving me full body chills and goosebumps. It's so unsettling thinking that someone's in your house. Oh my God. Yeah. Especially when you have kids too. Like you have kids, you have dogs. 
anytime. Yeah. It's unsettling. But to know that you have a lot of people in the home and to think that there's someone else that entered and messing with you. Like they're not, you know, the knocks and hiding and yeah, it's, oh gosh. Right. And you can't just ignore it and like lock your bedroom door. You have other people and small children to, yeah, to, worry to about. account for here. You have to deal with it. And there are other spooky things that happened. Thalia saw the apparition of a woman walk out of Aiden's room and straight through the wall across from it. We saw orbs all over the house constantly, and the orbs even showed up in photos and videos. There's a photo I took with my cell phone that almost looked like a negative that showed the faint image of a woman that appeared to have a child by her side. Oh. She appeared to be wearing a cloak of some sort and had her back turned to the camera and was looking backward over her left shoulder while clutching a child to her right side. Oh my gosh. I, I want to see that. Me too. We Please send it to us. I'd taken this photo at the edge of our driveway by the back porch, pointing to the backyard, and I used to see a shadow out of my peripheral vision, as did others in our house. It seemed like a smallish child who was always spying or peeking around corners, watching, lurking, waiting. And for sake of keeping these details together, I will incorporate one of my journal entries that I recently rediscovered. May 24th, 2015. Very strange night. Slept on the couch until I was woken by voices and the sound of someone walking through the house to the back door. I heard the back door's lock click and then the soft sweep of the weather stripping across the linoleum floor. The door shut swiftly before I heard the even louder click and slam of the porch door against its frame. I assume these noises were Jeremy sneaking out for a late night cigarette. However, when the noises repeated in reverse, all the doors shutting and locking in succession, then footsteps through our den, then suddenly silence, something about the whole affair seemed strange, especially when I began to hear voices. It sounded as if someone was in the living room with me, standing behind our couch, Ooh. where I was attempting to sleep, and they spoke, sang, and hummed. Then I heard even louder noises and voices around me that left me unsettled. I ran to the back of the house to our bedroom to get Jeremy. He was half asleep and didn't understand why I was so upset and excited. I told him what happened, explaining from the beginning when the singing suddenly started again. We could both hear it. We were so freaked out and we couldn't sleep. We came out to the living room until around 2 a.m. God, it was such a weird night. End of journal entry. Ooh. <sighs> I want these journals. Too. <laughs> Photos and journal. Let's just get a book of this because it seems like we can make this into a book. Or or LK should. This yeah. is amazing. Right. Okay. No, I didn't mean we. It was like LK was a part of the we. LK does it and then we read it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes. For the for the rest of the Phantom community. Eventually we had our friends from Rock and Roll Paranormal come out to our house for an all-nighter. They set up at the house and did a pretty thorough investigation. They even recorded some EVPs. They heard, as we had many times before, knocking coming from the kitchen walls. I'm sure this could be debunked somehow. However, the scratching, the heavy breathing from an unseen entity and whispering that they heard it from the back den was different. They also stated that the hall bathroom, which the kids used, was filled with the same scratching and whispers. Oh, no. Both of those rooms were scary as hell. At some point in the past, prior to our family moving into this house, the bathroom had been remodeled. I always felt like someone had died in there or maybe had been buried in the walls. Oh, I'm pretty <laughs> a pleasant <laughs> feeling to have. I know I'm a pretty sensitive freak. And that 
house put off some bad ass evil energy. The research that one of our paranormal friends did on the house and the property revealed that the house had constantly changed hands and that five people had died while living there. Holy hell, right? Now, the most frightening event that took place happened to me and Jeremy while the children were not home. One evening, the children of the corn were spending (laughs) a weekend with their dad. And Jeremy and I had the house completely to ourselves, or so we thought. We decided that we were going to watch The Conjuring. While I had already seen it, Jeremy had not. I want to inform you that we are not scaredy cats. Jeremy is a bonafide horror movie buff and a diehard fan, and I am right behind him with my love for scary flicks. It was rare that he had not seen a scary movie before me, so I was eager to watch it with him. We were relaxed, enjoying the film, until we got to the exorcism scene with Lily Taylor's character. I kept seeing my little shadow in our foyer leading just outside the wall, watching us curiously. Jeremy could see it too. And without any warning, everything electrical in our house went insane. Oh my gosh. The lights all flickered and flashed. Goosebumps again, just remembering. I have goosebumps too. Me too. (laughs) At the same time. (laughs) It seemed like they were going to explode. It was intense and it felt like forever. And then suddenly all the lights and power went out completely. Except the television and the DVD, which made loud static noises over the sound of the movie as the television flickered and then finally went black. Oh my gosh. And that is when we saw it. No! The eerie blue light of the TV in the back den room shining through the blackness that had swallowed us. It illuminated the den and part of the foyer. The screen was on when everything else in our house was off. How was this even possible? We were frozen to the couch. I don't remember how long we sat there or what we even said. I'm certain we were both scared out of our minds. Jeremy finally worked up the courage to walk into the other room and peek at it. He left the TV alone and then he returned to me. We went out to the front porch and the stairs to look around. Every house surrounding us had power. We returned inside. We shut off the TV and we unplugged it. Eventually, we had to turn the main breaker back on. And that was an evening I will never forget. After that, we not only gave our DVD copy of The Conjuring to one of our paranormal investigator friends, but we also left that cursed TV unplugged unless we had to use it for something. In all seriousness, we left that evil machine in the house when we moved. I truly doubt I will ever work up the nerve to watch that movie again. Thanks for reading my haunted tale. Okay. Uh... Ah. <laughs> I know it's like this big lead up it's this build up like it starts yeah. with LK being in the house and walking the dogs in this TV in the back den which is for the like video games or whatever this back TV starts to go on and it's just like warming up to the main yeah. event well okay I have so many thoughts because First of all, the last experience really reminds me of the Poltergeist movie Mm -hmm. where like the TV is on the static and the little girl on the hands and all that stuff. Yes. But okay. All of this is horrifying. Okay. I don't know how you lived in that house for as long as you did, but there are clearly so many spirits and it doesn't sound like all of them are bad. And while they're watching the movie, it does, I mean, the like shadow peeking out really reminds me of when Mm -hmm. I was a kid and my mom and sister were watching scary movies and I was terrified, but like tempted to watch and see what I could handle. And I would peer over, Yeah, you know, it does sound childish in the way that like they're curious, but scared. 
but the lights and everything going off feels un- like it almost feels like whatever. There is a negative spirit in that house that has been taunting them. And it mm-hmm. used this moment of watching a horror movie and an exorcism, exorcism being about to happen. And they're like, I'm going to terrify you. Right. I also wonder if somehow this like little boy or, or this or this child spirit is kind of nervous about yeah. whatever else is in the house. It is just kind oh, of trying to always be near them mm. and was also aware of what was about to happen. So it was kind of just like peeking nervous out of curiosity to see how this family would react. Right. Because this, this almost made, okay, here's a dark thought. Of course. In the past, there have been five deaths in this house and this house changed hands a lot. Right. What if this exact scenario didn't have to be the conjuring, but this exact scenario happened to every single one of Ah. the previous homeowners. And this was the moment where people's reactions either resulted in them surviving or someone dying. And that is why the little kid was (laughs) peeking being like, Oh my God, what's going to happen to them? Okay. Well, that's truly a terrifying, horrible thought, but yeah, it's, I'm curious. I would love to know the history and like when people died and how, like, you know, how many years ago it was, because Mm -hmm. I don't know. I mean, I think I'm just trying to ignore that thought because it's so scary. It is. This is a really scary episode. (laughs) (laughs) I think we picked out these stories being like, oh, you know, they're scary. They're spooky. There's a lot going on, but I feel like our current understanding and conversations about them are almost making me (laughs) more scared. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the whole thing with the paranormal is like, especially with you and I, I feel like we often, I often, I will speak for myself, go to the darkest possible option. Mm -hmm. There's no way to have a definitive conclusion or answer to what is actually happening. So I think it's so easy for our imaginations to run wild and create these terrifying concepts and uh, possibilities. Well, yeah, it's because we don't have the answers, right? Like the things we're experiencing, the things that these people are experiencing, what LK and her family experienced, it's horrifying. Horrifying. It's so scary. And then when you're trying to understand why and add some sort of reason or justification behind what is happening to you, you can't help but kind of go darker because there are no answers. And it's like, well, why would this be happening to me? Yeah. Well, they're not in that house anymore, which is good. TV. Well, I mean, we don't know if someone else is in that house. So. I know. That's the thing. <laughs> Anyone else Does have that a house back in with a TV that turns itself on? <sighs> Actually, the book that I just read home before dark that I recommended at the beginning of this episode has like a family moves into a house that all the furniture from the previous owners was left behind. Oh, it's very, that's really spooky. Yeah. I understand like previous, like people selling their house with some items or, but, but the whole thing makes it feel like people just dropped everything to yeah. run out a little time capsule. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, wow. LK, I'm very glad you and your family are safe now and no longer in that house because it sounds terrifying. And also the fact that they had paranormal investigators come in and they determined that there was the same knocking in the bathroom that LK's children use. Like, what were these kids experiencing? Well, well, Thalia straight up saw this woman like walk out of her brother's room, Aiden's room, and through another wall. So I assume they probably experienced a lot. Quite a lot. Yeah. Quite a lot. I'm just glad that that big event happened when they were gone. You know, that seems scarring. That seems like something you'd want to talk about in therapy. Okay. 
I have one called Hawaii Hauntings, and it is from our listener, Anna. Hey, ghost gals. My name is Anna. I've been listening to your podcast on my commute for the last month, and I'm in love. This was also sent back in 2019. So hope you're still listening. I feel like I have two new best friends to chat all things spooky with. It's great. Before I dive into my short story, I have a fun fact. My nine times great grandmother was one of the women tried and hung as a witch in Salem. Her name was Martha Carrier, and she was basically tried for being an OG feminist. My mom and I always felt a pull to Salem when we lived in Massachusetts. And when we discovered the connection, we found out why. I've always been obsessed with the trials and witches and all things spooky and girl power. So I'm glad to know that my connection has been there all along. To keep it strong, I named the black cat I adopted on Halloween, Salem. Anywho, on to the spooky stuff. My fiance and I are currently living in Hawaii. He moved here just over a year ago for the army and I joined him from DC last September. This is to say he went apartment hunting by himself. Toward the end of his search, we both found an apartment we liked online and he set up a time to view it. It was going to be like 2 a.m. Eastern time, but I told him to go ahead and call me after he saw it so we can decide to apply for it on the spot. I went to bed at like 9 p.m. because I'm a grandma, and he called me and woke me up at 2.30 a.m. He said, hey, babe, the place is really great. It's really clean and all of the appliances are new and we'd have air conditioning. There's just one thing. There are two pieces of wood or something hung above the front and back doors that we can't touch. They're like blessed or something. I sleepily replied with, okay, babe, sounds good. Let's apply for it. Good night. Approximately three seconds after I hung up, I realized what he had said. So I texted him back as fast as I could with, why the fuck did it have to be blessed? I was 0% about to move into a haunted fucking apartment on an island in the middle of the ocean. He told me that the last tenants had issues with domestic violence and the landlord just wanted to take the precaution. I was okay with that. At least the landlord cared. My fiance is well aware of my affinity for the supernatural, so after he moved in by himself, he assured me nothing was wrong. It wasn't until five months later when I finally moved in that he decided to tell me about his dreams. They weren't anything too scary. He had just had a reoccurring dream about a slim guy in his 40s standing in the corner while he slept. He said the guy didn't scare him. It was more like he was watching over him. Yeah, okay, because that's definitely the experience most people have when ghosts watch them while they sleep. <laughs> I myself haven't had anything too spooky happen in the apartment, except for the occasional sleep paralysis. But the other day, while I was talking to my coworker, I found out what those things hanging above my front and back door are. Apparently, in Hawaiian culture, you're supposed to ward off spirits with tea leaf and Hawaiian sea salt. So my landlord had someone dry the tea leaf, place sea salt in the center and fold it into a triangle and pin it above our doors for protection and cleansing. It makes me feel a little uneasy, but I guess I'm glad that it's been taken care of. And then Anna follows up saying, I wanted to follow up my story to tell you that my fiance is now telling me that he was actually terrified of his ghost pal and didn't want to tell me because he didn't want me to be scared. I told him I emailed you guys and we've since been listening to you guys together occasionally. He said he dreamed or dreamt of that man standing over him almost nightly. For reference, he lived by himself in this apartment for about five months with just an air mattress and a TV. So he was pretty spooked. 
I made him tell me more about his dreams and what he felt during them felt a lot like what I felt during my sleep paralysis. Now, I never saw anything during my sleep paralysis, but I would lie in bed unable to move with my eyes open. The huge. It <laughs> felt and sounded like someone was walking towards the bed, but I could never make out anything in the dark. In my head, it felt like they wanted to harm us. I didn't get a good night of sleep for almost a month. And at the end of that month, I stopped taking melatonin and my sleep paralysis stopped. So who's to say if it was actually paranormal or just supplement induced? Since then, I only get a little spooked when my fiance is gone for trainings, but I think it's mostly things I make up in my head after listening to your podcast for too long. Thanks for all the spookiness you put into my day, Anna. I mean, melatonin, I'm the first person <laughs> to say it really does mess you up. It does. But at the same time, it's like, it's one of those like catch 22. Like it is, is the melatonin putting you into a state in which the paranormal has greater access to you. And so you're oh, actually experiencing stuff or is the melatonin making you so loopy that your brain chemicals are like, let's create this new experience. Let's see how she does with this. Well, Considering the fact that Anna's boyfriend was also experiencing things and having this tall, slim man watching over him in his sleep makes me think that it was real, that there was something right. paranormal happening. And also, I think melatonin, while it could put you in a more, I don't know, like less conscious state, it is also kind of making you fall asleep harder, which then to a spirit who maybe has malevolent intentions would then want to target you more because you're so sleepy and groggy that you're not really going to move or wake up. Right. Yeah. But that, yeah, it's the catch 22 part is like, you don't want to, you don't want to not take the melatonin <laughs> if you're not, if you need it to sleep because yeah. if you're sleep deprived, you're just as vulnerable. Ugh. I believe that it was totally a haunting. 100%. Encounter. I mean, the the fact that the landlord needed to felt the need to bless the house makes me old. Exactly. It also like amplifies the fact that it was something paranormal. And it could have been like, I'm glad that they blessed the house because it does sound like whatever the spirit was, wasn't actually able to hurt them. Maybe it was appearing and being creepy and ominous, but it wasn't able to hurt them maybe because the house was blessed. I think whatever Anna wants to believe is what she should believe. <laughs> you know, whatever helps her fall asleep That's at true. night without melatonin is what she should go with. But let's just put a few really terrifying dark thoughts into Anna's mind real quick. <laughs> I'm kidding. I won't. I mean, this episode does it enough, I think. I agree. Yeah. The land enough said, like the landlord basically told you it's haunted. Yes. Had it, to have it blessed. And if your boyfriend saw stuff too, guess what? It's not the melatonin. <laughs> it's just your space. It's ghosts. Okay. I have one to tell you. This is from Cynthia and it's called, did listening to the podcast daily get a ghost trapped in my dream? Oh, hello, ghost and ghostesses. My name is Cynthia, and I think listening to TGOG religiously lately has given me my first ghost experience, <laughs> but in my sleep. Sorry. I quickly... <laughs> yeah, that's Sabrina's way of encountering them too, so... I quickly want to mention how I came across your guys' podcast. My sister-in-law and I are obsessed with spirituality and aliens and ghost stories and anything about the world that no one talks about. And during our eyelash appointments, we would listen to ghost stories and I'd asked her what podcast she listened to. 
As I searched on Spotify, I came across you guys and I started listening in the summer of 2020, texting her back and forth about some episodes until one day she mentioned the name of the podcast and I realized I'd been listening to a totally different podcast (laughs) this entire time. (laughs) Not phased because I truly love listening in on your guys' podcast and get to laugh along the way. My father is a huge horror film type of guy. So as a kid, I would always watch scary movies and not be phased about scary monsters getting me from the bed or creeping from my closet. As I grew older, I would watch scary movies and ghost encounters and anything horror at night all by myself and would go to bed peacefully. (laughs) I want to mention a quick short story before I talk about my haunted dream. In my early teens, I had a bedroom that had one of those long and dark hallways that led to the room itself, and my bed would face the long, dark hallway. I am a tossing and turning sleepover, so one night I had woken up and saw a dark, shadowed girl in a white dress down the hall facing my bed. I looked at her, but immediately just tossed back to my side and I went back to sleep. (laughs) What? I can't fully say if it was a fever dream or not, but I remember it quite vividly, even though it happened so quickly. I've always been curious about the spiritual world and believe in all lives on this earth. I had never seen or experienced anything ghost-like, even though I would watch a crazy amount of ghost hunters as a kid and now have moved on to ghost adventures. But oftentimes I felt like there was someone watching me or something watching me, but I could never quite understand why I was getting that feeling and I wouldn't see anything around me. Though, after listening to an Encounters episode, one after the other... One night, I had a really interesting dream. This story takes place in May of 2021. I had gone back to my hometown and I had spent the night at my childhood best friend's house. As I fell asleep, I began to dream. Quick disclaimer, I can never remember my dreams when I wake up, so this one really spooked me for sure because I remembered it. So I was standing on the side of the table talking to my friend Crystal and her friend Dulce, who are just sitting across from me on the couch. Then comes a moment where I'm talking to them and I hear nothing, but I see their mouths moving and I look around and the dark shadow comes crawling from all corners and the lighting begins to go dark. As I'm realizing what's going on, I notice that I can't move a muscle. I'm trying to move and scream for my friends to help me. And then I get grabbed by my belt loop on my jeans and get brought back into the bed that I was sleeping in. I think, holy crap, that was a weird dream. But once again, I can't move. I'm aware of the sleep paralysis and I'm thinking that this is the first time that I've ever experienced it. The room is dark and as I'm there sleeping-ish on my side, I see my friend Crystal sleeping next to me. I start to feel a whole hand slowly grab my ankle under the covers as if it starts to pull me. And so I scream Crystal's name with all that I can. And now I'm under the blanket in pitch black, hoping that she can wake up and grab onto me and pull me back up. But she's still sound asleep. And then a split second later, I actually wake up and I feel tears coming down my face. And I turn over to my friend Crystal, who's looking at me, freaking out, saying that I had been whispering weird words that were gibberish and hard to understand. And then I woke her up and she said that I wouldn't wake up when she mentioned my name. Freaked out by this, my mind was racing. How was that a dream when I acknowledged another dream in a dream? That was very intense for me. And to be quite frank, it spooked me so much that I had to take a two-week break from the podcast just to think about the dream. No. (laughs) From never experiencing a scary encounter with a spirit, but having a very vivid dream of something trying to take me, I don't know. What do you guys think? Could this have just been a strange spiritual encounter or maybe just a scary dream? I love the podcast and you guys. And I've never really had a real ghost encounter, but I will be sure to email if I do. I live in San Francisco, so if you ever need a tour guide, 
I'll show you the Bay Area. See you on the other side, Cynthia. It's so spooky. Okay. I mean, I am curious because this is Cynthia's friend's house where this experience happened. So I Mm -hmm. am curious if Cynthia's friend had ever had experiences before or if it was just like something passing by and Cynthia happened to be on the receiving end of it, but it's horrifying and it is altering of her reality a bit. So it's like now, I mean, per her email, like she's forced to ask what was real? What was a dream? How was I? What was, yeah, what was real? Right. And for her, this is the first time she's experiencing it. And she also has a witness. Like she literally has a friend as a witness, seeing her say all these things and like basically try to fight herself awake and to fight off whatever is happening and grabbing her. And it's not like, what am I trying to say? She watches scary movies. Like she absorbs this type of material all the time. So for this to happen, I think you're right, Sabrina. I think it might be almost like a combination of potentially opening herself up Mm -hmm. by listening maybe to our podcast, which tends to... As people have told us happens. But then also, yeah, change of setting. She She was at her friend's house and it was different. Yeah. And there were spirits there that apparently needed to just suck her soul out of her body as she slept. Ew, I hate the idea of the spirit like pulling her back into the bed and then it grabbing her feet from under the covers. Like, oh, yeah. And then almost pushing her down. It was like, it's like it's grabbing her and like just slingshotting her every direction. It's like she's up and then she's getting yanked down and then she's being pulled even deeper. And then imagine being Cynthia's friend, Crystal, who sees Cynthia struggling and almost speaking a different language and whispering weird words. That would be terrifying as well. I mean, in a different way, but I mean, not something that I would want to experience. It's so scary. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Why did we do this? This one's bad. Like, I feel like this one's going to give me nightmares. I know. I'm glad we're recording during sunlight. Yeah, this is. Yeah, this was a good one to record during the day, (laughs) which usually we don't do. But still gives us some time to recover. Okay, this is from our listener, Nia. And it is called, we brought home a poltergeist question (laughs) mark. Why did we choose such scary ones for this one? I don't know. Wow. I do know. It's just what we do. Anyway. Clearly we we were overdue for just like a horrifying episode. But I feel like we say this every time. (laughs) I feel like we often leave our encounters episodes being like, ah, why did we do that to ourselves? (laughs) Okay. Hi, girls and ghosts. I wanted to go over what happened in my previous house here in Phoenix, Arizona. I'll be referring to this house as the haunted house. This has been my most active haunting experiences to date, and I still get chills thinking about it. To begin, when my family and I first moved to Arizona in 2014, we visited in Sedona where my stepmom's grandpa, Grandpa Bob, owned a huge mansion in the mountains. For those who don't know, Sedona is a very artsy town known for its amazing rock formations, but it is also a spiritual hotspot. This mansion was at the very top of the mountainside neighborhood and was absolutely beautiful. Now, I did hear many stories about this place before going there. My step family had stories about their own private experiences, My stepmom's younger sister, Chrissy, had stayed in that house alone for what was supposed to be an extended vacation. From what I hear, she left after a day or so because she kept seeing a ghost running around upstairs. Even my stepmom's mother, who is a very Christian woman, had seen shadows and heard noises which she could not explain. 
Grandpa Bob was selling this beautiful estate and wanted us to see it one last time and also take any furniture we liked since it was all made locally by different artists and reservations in the area. So my family definitely ignored all the stories and spent the entire day at the mansion and around Sedona. We didn't really take much since we felt guilty taking expensive art pieces and one-of-a-kind items. But one thing my stepmom chose was this sculpture, which was basically an iron vase on a stand filled with feathers, bamboo sticks, and various dried grasses. It seemed just like a decorative piece, and we were told it was made by a local native tribe. But boy, were our assumptions wrong. We were just about to move into the haunted house at the time from another house because we move a lot. When I was walking into the kitchen past my parents in the living room, they happened to be looking my way when they noticed that I had finished walking, but my shadow kept moving. They didn't tell me until days after so as not to freak me out. So fast forward to after we've been settled into this haunted house for a few months. My stepmom finally put her Sedona souvenir out of the garage and put it up in the house. Its exact location in the house changed every few months due to her interior design hobby, not the ghost. (laughs) One night, I was upstairs in our loft area playing some games with my boyfriend while on FaceTime with him. My younger brother had been watching me but left to go in his room. A few moments later, my boyfriend says, why is your brother standing behind you? I got so mad asking my boyfriend why he was trying to scare me, and my boyfriend got really serious and truthful and said, no, I swear I'm not. I thought that was your brother, but if it's not, who is it then? As he said that, I was looking at my phone in the little window that shows my screen, and behind the chair I was sitting in, there was a small white figure that looked as if it were peeking out and then quickly tucked back in. I quickly stood up, flinging the desk chair and yelled, stop it, as a reaction. I had thought briefly, maybe my siblings were pranking me and it was my little sister wearing a white nightshirt, but no one was there. I began sobbing and ran to my brother's room with my boyfriend still on the phone, begging him to tell me that he was joking. Just as I was calming down, my parents called me downstairs and asked me what happened. I figured that they were going to laugh at my misery, but to my surprise, they had said that they recently saw the same thing running from one room to the other a few days prior. (gasps) After that incident, the activity increased. It was a daily occurrence to her footsteps upstairs running with no one up there, along with doors opening and closing by themselves. And I was having terrible nightmares and almost couldn't leave my room at night to pee. It became really bad when we would have company over since my whole family loves to acknowledge ghosts and heed no warnings. (laughs) I had my closest friend and her daughter over one day while my family was out of town and I was telling her about the stuff that was happening. As I was telling her the stories, a closet door right behind where we were sitting creaked open. Both of my pets were accounted for playing with her daughter in sight and all we could say was, well, another time we had my grandma watch the house while we were away for a wedding. When we got back, my grandma, a very strong and fearless Filipina, vowed to never stay in our house again. She stated that there were sounds of children running upstairs the entire week we were gone. She refused to go up there and only slept on the couch with our dog. Now, she's always believed strongly in ghosts and is rarely afraid. She used to have conversations with her deceased father, no problem. But the fear on this woman's face, as she told us that she was never coming back to our house, will always haunt me. Now, for the last and final nail in our coffin... 
the incident that made us move. It was around September of 2019. By this point, we were all pretty numb to the activity and would casually mention it in small talk like it was the weather report. We had began to suspect that all of the activity was coming from something in the home that we brought in. One item in suspicion was the iron vase from Sedona. My parents had just moved it yet again to the downstairs living room next to our TV, and they placed a few family portraits above it. My parents were watching TV one day when the picture directly above the vase looked as if it had slowly lifted off the wall, was flung a few feet away, and shattered. My parents were so scared, and my dad even confirmed that the frame hook it had been on requires the action of lifting the frame up in order for it to come unhooked. Ugh. They knew right then that it was the vase and suddenly all of our experiences could be matched to where the vase was located at the time of each experience. It took my parents no time to call our landlord, nope the F out, and move to a new, not-so-haunted house. And as for the vase, it is sitting somewhere at the bottom of a hot Arizona landfill. So that's my longest-lasting ghost experience, but honestly, I have reason to believe I myself am haunted. So if you want more stories, I have many. Love y'all and the podcast. Hope y'all are staying safe and healthy and relatively ghost-free. See you on the other side, Nia May. P.S. I had to leave. P.S. I had to leave my room while writing this email because my closet door started to shake. Not today, Satan. What the hell? (laughs) Oh my God. This is so scary. I would also, I mean, it sounds like she did, but like, I would truly poop myself if, <laughs> if my boyfriend were talking to me and being like, why is there a little boy right there? Why is your brother right there? I'd be like, what the fuck are you saying? Yeah. Imagine like you and I, how we zoom during these recordings. If I saw someone standing behind you or you saw someone standing behind me and yeah, ugh, so, I mean, that's terrifying. It actually reminds me of when I was FaceTiming my cousin Lainey. And I was like, oh, who just, who was that? Was that Uncle Jim or was that Kate? Like asking who would just walk by her that didn't sit, stop and say hi to me. And she was like, I'm home alone. And then walked, walked outside and sat on the curb for an hour until people go. Oh my gosh. I would do the same thing. I know. So scary. Wow. I mean, and she, she saw, eventually saw the little kid too. And it sounds like a lot of people saw it, but is it a little kid? Here's the thing. I, I am the know. first person that screams. It's not a little kid. And yeah, I feel bad about saying that, but sometimes I just think about like the shadow people that are smaller and creep and sometimes are really aggressive. And also the fact that Nia's grandma was so adamantly terrified about the experience does right. make me question it. I am curious though, like it is it is funny to me that they the family just decided, all right, we're getting rid of this vase and we're also moving, rather than trying to get rid of the vase and then see if the hauntings happened. But I guess sometimes you just gotta do it yeah, all you just gotta, rip the whole band Yeah. But I am curious to know more about that vase because it came from Grandpa Bob's house that was haunted as well. Were all the hauntings mm-hmm. connected to it? Who created this vase? What's the story behind it? I, yeah, I'm curious why there were ghost children, if they were that, attached to it. And the person who has the vase now, wait, remind me, did they the sell dumpster. it? Oh, the dumpster. <laughs> Land, so I was a just landfill. thinking, like, if they did sell it, do, are the people... That would be evil to sell it. Do they know? Unless they Unless you put it up and it. you say, haunted vase. Yeah, yeah. Buy at your own risk. Yeah. I mean, now the dumpster is haunted. <laughs> Yeah. Now the local dumpster. Imagine how many haunted objects end up 
at the landfill. Oh, that would be really interesting walking through a landfill with like an EMF reader or something. I don't think I want to do that, what, but what it would be up. interesting. I said it would be interesting. I said, uh, not me, <laughs> but it'd be interesting for someone else not to us, do that. Someone else. Let us know <laughs> if you do it. <laughs> back. <laughs> wow. Oh, man. I'm glad that you are out of that place, Nia. Me too. And can hopefully get some peace of mind, although maybe not with that closet door shaking. Oh, and gosh. Sounds like the hauntings will just continue to follow you, but hopefully yeah. not as bad as before. Hopefully. So slightly uh, on theme <laughs> from how I started, I have another one to tell you. It's called Two Hours of Lost Time in a Split Second. Two hours? Apparently. Oh, gosh. This is from Tina. Love you guys. Just started listening recently. Been binging the episodes and almost caught up. My sister has been part of your pyramid scheme for years. <laughs> <laughs> And kept telling me to listen. And I finally do. And I'm obsessed. I've heard a few stories from you guys about people losing a few hours of time. And I've got two hours of missing time. This was probably about 1996. So no smartphones yet. I remember being about eight years old. And I think it was a Saturday. Me and my sister were out of school that day, and I wanted to wake up early and make myself breakfast. So I had set my alarm for 8 a.m. 8 a.m. came, and my little alarm clock went off. I woke up, and I thought, meh, I need more sleep. <laughs> so I wound the alarm clock to 10 a.m. I lay back down in my bed, and it was weird. About halfway down to laying down on the bed, my body paused for a split second, and I remember thinking, this is weird. And then my alarm clock went off and my body finally continued to fall to my pillow. Because it was a little alarm clock where you had to wind the alarm arm to the time, I thought maybe I wound the time accidentally instead. My parents had a night job, so waking them up early would bring wrath. But their room was right next to mine, so I wanted to fix my clock time by syncing it to their clock. I was super quiet opening their door. The way their room was set up was their bed was there immediately upon opening the door and the shelf stand with their clock was behind it. So I commando <laughs> crawled around the bed to check the time to fix my clock. It also read 10 a.m. I thought, no way. It was just eight that I was sure of. So I decided to double check my sister's clock. Oh my gosh. Her room was at the back of the house and she would have also been mad if she caught her little sister bothering to wake her up. So I crawled into her room and her clock also read 10-ish. I went back to my room and I thought of the predicament. I'd never had my clock set to the wrong time, though it could be a possibility. But since I distinctly remember my body pausing for a moment in the air, I checked my stomach to see if my ab muscles were sore because I would have had to been stuck in this half sit-up position for two hours. <laughs> <laughs> I love the process. I know. But everything felt normal. I asked myself if I felt more tired or less since originally waking up at eight. But I felt the exact same. So I said to myself, well, I wanted to wake up at 10 and it's 10. So I made breakfast and I went about my day. I mean, I couldn't think of anything else to do and I couldn't wake up anybody. I have a few more stories about how me and my sister's lives were saved from ghost phone calls. And my grandma's house was so haunted that it was on the news many years ago. What? And I'll be seeing my mother soon. So I will ask her for more details on that. We'll follow up soon. Keep up the great work, Tina. Okay, well, I do want to hear all those stories, Tina, but what the heck happened to those two hours? I know. What the heck? What the heck? Like, and it's not just like 
So she wakes up, it's 8am and she's like, let me reset the alarm to 10 and then starts to lay down, is awake, her body freezes and then as her body unfreezes, her alarm goes off or her clock, I keep saying alarm, but it's the same thing. Her, Her clock goes off at the same time. And it's now 10. Like she never fell back asleep. She never even like hit the mattress until the alarm went off again. It was like a split second. That's so weird. Also, it's so rude. Whatever was happening, whether it was like aliens or a glitch or a time slip or whatever it was, how rude of the universe to take away those two extra hours that Tina wanted to sleep. I know. I know. I love that she tried to debunk the whole thing and like truly did a whole investigation <laughs> while everyone was asleep. The commando crawling that are my abs or I would have loved to just like witness this. Right. And she even, I mean, she even found a, a third source. Like she also went to her yeah. sister's alarm clock. She didn't just take her parents' alarm clock as a single source of truth. No, she had to see all of the clocks. Well, also, cause it's so bewildering. I would need a lot of evidence and proof as well. I'd be like, right. It's so, I mean, it's so hard to wrap your mind around. Well, and it's almost like proof of a, of a time shift because it's not, it would be one thing if she went to bed and then was like, Oh, it felt like my alarm only went off a second ago. I don't think I ever fell asleep, but it's 10. And then you're just kind of like confused and groggy and you're like, well, maybe I did fall asleep, but I didn't feel like any time had passed, but she was awake the whole time and her body froze in the air. Yeah. Like she's there thinking like, this is weird. (laughs) So strange. Okay. Honestly though, if you could sit up in a position like that for two hours and not remember any of it and like work your abs for two hours and just like kind of snap through it that quickly. That'd be great. Yeah. It would be if it were effective in building, building your muscles. Well, if you were actually sitting like that for two hours, of course it would have to be. We have a new workout program like that for two hours. Let me tell you, I went snowboarding the other day for the first time in 11 years and I have shin splints. (laughs) I don't think I can I don't think I can do that. I went on like three runs. <laughs> That's what I'm telling you. This is our new workout program. It's called the Time Glitch Ghost Workout. And you basically have to learn how to glitch through timelines. And that will be the For workout. $9.99 a month. <laughs> oh, it's more expensive than not. that. Come on. It's like $100 a month. If, if we could actually figure out how yeah. to do it. Yeah, people, then we people would gotta pay, baby. Be brilliant. We would have, I don't know, we'd win the Nobel Peace Prize. I, th- I think we'd be the richest <laughs> people in the world, truly. That would be nice. Okay. But if we could figure it out, I'd also be like, here, everybody, just do this with us. <laughs> Share it with everyone. It's donation based. Give, oh give my what gosh. you can. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Oh my gosh, there was something. Oh, <laughs> thinking about the, I was thinking about this earlier. I was so resistant to TikTok when you would bring it up all the time. And I was just like, I don't want to be a part of it. I don't like, I just don't want to like get into it. Mm-hmm. And I think this is proof that I would join your cult. <laughs> you have gotten me on TikTok and I think of TikTok videos and like ideas all the time now. So you are my cult leader. I bow down. Well, I would love to take credit for that, but it's a very addictive platform. So I don't think that I really did anything there other than just but talk you about it constantly until you finally me. went on it. You did convince me. Okay. And yes. that is a good, a, a good sign or that is a you sign a of a of good Kool-Aid. I did. You did. You took did. a sip of the Kool-Aid. I thought I was resistant. You saw how good the Kool-Aid tasted. You just freaking <laughs> took the whole, you just are bathing in it now. Oh gosh. Okay. Well, one last story. 
One last story. This is from our listener, Amy, and it is called Living in a Ghost Island. Dear Sabrina and Corinne, I love your podcast and have been binging it all through quarantine and before my master's classes begin again. I currently live outside of the United States on a small island south of mainland Japan called Okinawa, which Corinne, I think you covered. I did. Yes. So... Amy says, the joys of being married to a military man. Anyway, I have always dealt with the paranormal, so here are a couple of the many experiences I have been through. The first one is called Adventures in Okinawa. Everyone in the United States probably knows Okinawa as a battle site for World War II or the movie Hacksaw Ridge. At least that is what I knew it as before having to move here a year ago. So naturally, there would be memorials here commemorating that. Well, when we first arrived, my husband and I decided we wanted to revive our Pokemon Go games and go hunting for Pokemon in Japan. So we decided two birds, one stone, and went to go to the Peace Memorial Park to look at the memorial, but also to catch Pokemon. During the day, the memorial park is gorgeous. There's a memorial much like the Vietnam Memorial in D.C., where these big black plaques are placed facing the ocean with the names of all the people that died during the Battle of Okinawa. There is also memorials for promoting peace and an everlasting flame that is in the center. We also went up a big hill and there was what looked like a crypt of memorials for the different provinces around the island and benches for people to mourn. However, by the time we made it to the very top of the hill, I felt very uneasy, like the park had suddenly shifted. It went from a calm and peaceful park to me suddenly being frightened for my life. I told my husband that we needed to leave before the sun went fully down, and he laughed at me because he doesn't ever believe that I can sense these things, but he saw how much it affected me, so we made our way back down the hill. The whole time, I felt anger, sadness, fear, and most of all, unwelcome. I had goosebumps and didn't realize how much trouble I was having breathing until we finally got in the car and I was able to catch my breath. The feelings that I felt finally went away like a switch once we left the park and we haven't been up there in the evenings anymore. The second story is called My Apartment in Okinawa. So I live off base in a brand new high rise apartment on the 14th floor. My apartment is super haunted. I cannot hang anything on the walls without it falling. It's not just straight down falling. It's like flying across the hall, falling off my wall. Every time I move, I usually put holy water above my doors and windows to keep stuff away. But being as this time I was forced to move by the military, they had strict rules as to what we could take and holy water from Turkey did not make the list. That is not the only thing that has happened here. I've also caught wailing sounds as if it's right outside on my balcony. And remember, I live on the 14th floor, so there is no way anyone is out on my balcony and it is usually around midnight. I can't look at my mirrors at night unless the apartment is lit up because I get this gut-wrenching fear come over me when I get near to any mirrors. We also have a motion sensor light that is right in front of our door, which is where our toilet room is at. That motion sensor light has gone on while my husband was in the bathroom and I was asleep. No one else lives here. And since it's a brand new apartment, I just think that it's the land. If you look up Okinawa ghosts, you will find tons of hauntings. I feel like this ghost found out that I can sense them and is now visiting me and trying to get my attention. I have asked it to leave and it does, but it always comes back. At this point, I am just ready to move back to the U.S. So I'm just kind of dealing with it for now. 
The last story is when my dead cousin ruined my surprise engagement. It was the beginning of 2017 and it was the worst time in my life. My husband, who was just my boyfriend at the time, was deployed overseas and it was my first time that I've ever dealt with it. It was also the year that I lost my cousin, who was only 18 at the time. My cousin was murdered trying to save his friend in a drug deal gone wrong. And in trying to stop my aunt from seeing him that way before the cops came, I was the one who saw him there lying in his own blood. After this, my family was devastated and I went on autopilot. I completely turned off my feelings because my mom and aunts completely shut down and I took care of my younger cousins and siblings, all while facing constant judgment from people who knew the killer online. We also had to stay safe because my cousin's killer was on the loose for three weeks before they found him. So when my then boyfriend returned, I finally let myself cry and have all the feelings I hadn't let myself feel for three months. We lived together, so he was my safe space, and he had finally returned, and that lasted maybe two weeks before he had to go to Virginia to visit his family since we lived in Oklahoma at the time. I couldn't go with him because of work, so he spent two weeks with them and returned with his sister. At the time, I didn't say anything off as he had promised her that she would come to visit. That weekend, I had a dream. It was me sitting in a park, but there were clouds all around, like someone had messed up and left the smoke machine on too long. Then my cousin shows up. I'm asking him a million questions like, why did he have to go? We miss you and crying my eyes out. And all he says is, just say yes. (laughs) Sorry, that got me excited. All he says is, just say yes, and it will make them happy again. And I ask him what the hell he is talking about, and he repeats it. Just say yes, and it will make them all happy again. And it's all he says, and he keeps repeating it. He then gets really frustrated and is shouting, just say yes, just say yes, just say yes. Then I feel me being shaken, and I'm out of my dream, and it's my boyfriend, and I'm bawling my eyes out, and he was afraid that I was having a PTSD dream. So he woke me up, and I turned and looked at the time, and it was the same time I went to that apartment and saw my cousin dead. So here I was bawling my eyes out in my boyfriend's arms and mumbling. He said, just say yes, and that they will be happy. And I was confused as hell. And my boyfriend was trying to calm me down and was asking who and say yes to what. I kept saying that my cousin and I don't know what to say yes to. Well, he finally got me to bed. And later that day, we went to a party at my grandpa's house because he threw a party to celebrate him getting LASIK. (laughs) (laughs) Mexican families party for everything. And there my <laughs> love it. And there my now husband proposed to me in front of my entire oh. family and that oh. is when I, And that is when I'm crying. And that is when I finally understood what my cousin wanted me to say yes to. My family loves my husband and so finally getting to name him as part of our family was not only a happy moment for us, it was a shining light for my family as we went through court. Yeah, gosh. Whew. Oh. Now that I have bawled my eyes out, I hope I left y'all on a happy note. Thank you for sharing your stories because while my husband is near perfect, he still won't believe my ghost stories. See you on the other side, Amy. How much do you think that her now husband was having an absolute anxiety <laughs> attack after hearing her say that? <laughs> like, shit, well, shit. I just don't know she how knows. he doesn't believe in the ghost stories. If I mean, when her cousin this straight is, up yeah. tried to ruin the surprise. <laughs> 
just say yes, just say yes, just say yes. I mean, I mean, her cousin was probably so excited. I know. And I didn't want to ruin it entirely, but like the knew it was going to happen and just like had this moment with Amy and was like, I just need to say something. Oh my God. That's so special. I love that. Oh, it's so special. In such a deserved experience after the spooky things that happened to Nokia. <laughs> mm-hmm. Wow. Oh my goodness. Ugh, I'm like, uh, I didn't even plan to read this one last, but I'm so glad I did because yeah. we needed this. Right. We needed this. Yeah, for all for all of the darkness and for the yeah. the people that we lose in our lives and all of the sadness that comes yeah. with it. To just have a moment of support from the other side and for this yes. to happen. I just also love that that they went to, was it the, the grandpa? The grandpa's like throwing a party for getting yeah, LASIK. The LASIK. <laughs> <laughs> uh, also threw himself a party. Yeah. <laughs> threw I'm, himself a party for getting LASIK. I do wonder though if Amy's now husband had like planned and told people that he was planning to propose and if the grandpa used the LASIK as the reason to throw a party but it was actually for the proposal. Oh, maybe. Maybe. But I feel that's kind of funny that just silly that Amy didn't didn't get that. (laughs) It's just like, yeah, remember when you had a LASIK party and you happened to propose? Oh my gosh. I'm going to start throwing parties like after I get my teeth cleaned at the dentist. Yeah, you should just random one so no one will ever know when there's actually a milestone moment. I mean, those are milestones. Like I didn't, I don't have any cavities. Yes. And it's hard to get yourself to take (laughs) care of yourself for a lot of people. So I think those are big milestones. Oh my gosh. I love this. Also. I mean, we already knew Okinawa was very haunted, but sounds like Amy and her husband are dealing with some ghosts. They don't seem terrible, but it is no, a but still spooky. Like when the motion sensor light turns yeah. on and you know no one else is there. Like it's just spooky. And to be afraid to look in mirrors at night. Like that's Ugh, that's scary. Shivers. Yeah. Wow. Oh well, well y'all are haunted. Guys. We knew that. I was actually looking in our inbox the other day because when we read emails, we put them into we shuffle them into a folder to know that we've read them. And I was like, I wonder how many encounters we've read, and we have read. Over 1,200 of everybody's stories. That is a ton. It is, but it doesn't feel like a lot because we have so many. We have like over 5,000 unread or like in our stories Yeah, it was like six, six or 7,000 unread. But like still for that many ghost stories to exist and now be out there told by people in our phantom That's community. True. I was uh. like, what? We started this podcast being like, do you think anyone will email us? And now we, we've read over 1,200 of people's oh my experiences. Gosh. That so many like ghost big... stories, too little time. I know. Wow. If How only we... we could just keep jumping dimensions, read, read a few in this dimension, read a few in that dimension. How do we just like drop everything else in our lives and just read ghost stories for hours on end every day? I wish... I wish we could, but our editor Aiden probably doesn't <laughs> would hate because us. he hears what you guys don't, which is rereading every sentence four <laughs> times because <laughs> we stumble. You know, but it's not here. our fault. It's always it's Who background it noise. It's Sven. It's our ghost's fault. It's Leia. It's no, it's our fault. It's one hundred percent hydration. Yeah. it's we ate too quickly before we recorded. 
a the myriad of on. issues. Yes. But we continue to come back <laughs> and do this because of you guys. So thank you. Thank yeah. you for your support. Thank you for rating and reviewing us on iTunes, for buying into the pyramid scheme and telling everybody else about the podcast. Yep. We truly appreciate it. Thank you to all of you who follow us on social media. We have TikTok. We have Instagram. We have a Facebook group, which is so fun. There's the book club. Join it. Send me your book recommendations. There's a coven too. TGRG yeah, coven there's for a lot. those there's who are practicing TGRG or learning. group me, which people talk in after green room, or maybe they talk all the time. I don't know. I do lurk in it. I should check. Thank you so much to Aiden, Aiden Manning at Upfire Digital for editing our podcast. We are so eternally grateful. And we will see you on the, the other, other side. side.